This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. There's no name in South Australian racing better known or more widely respected than the name of Jolly. Brothers Richard and David Jolly are both busy commercial trainers with Richard at Morfordville and David preferring the beach environment at beautiful Gulwa. Both learned their trade from their father Peter, who still has a horse in work at age 75. He keeps that horse at Richard's Morfordville base and can be found at track work six days a week. Richard Jolly has been a trainer for almost 19 years, following a successful riding career which lasted 14 years despite an ongoing battle with weight. In that 14 years, he rode 800 winners, including a Group 1 Perth Cup. A year ago, Richard formed a training partnership with daughter Chantelle, who's been a regular at the stables from a very early age. Richard and Chantel currently have 35 horses in work. They place them carefully, racing mainly in South Australia, but occasionally turning up in Victoria. Always a good lead for the punters. It's a great pleasure to welcome Richard Jolly to the podcast. Thanks for your time, Richard. It's a pleasure, John, and uh, good to be on your program. Well, you and Chantel are part of an Australia-wide trend. These training partnerships are popping up everywhere. Yeah, look, it, it seems the way to go nowadays, uh, John. It, um, it certainly um, it takes the pressure off and, and uh, you could say eases the, the burden on our, our busy lives. Um, certainly, I think in this day and age we're um, expected to, to be um, uh, virtually social um, and um, very um, media conscious and uh, give the owners the best uh, possible experience. So it's hard to do that all yourself. And um, uh, the partnerships, um, certainly with my situation, it's family, um, which makes it a hell of a lot easier. And, um, yeah, certainly a, a thing we, we don't regret doing. Well, we see a good example of it as we speak because you've got a runner at Port Augusta. Chantel is on her way there and you're staying at home to talk to me. Yeah, that's right, John. I uh, I said, well, I told her it's Father's Day, and I said, I don't, I don't need to go to Port Augusta. That's your job. So, uh, <laughs> um, but she's um, she loves the loves the racing, and, and she certainly, uh, you know, she's happy happy to do that. Yeah, you know, she was always going to be a horse trainer, wasn't she? She's worked for you since she left school, but she must have been under your feet around the stables as a little kid. Uh, she had her own licence uh, from 2015 on and she won a race with the very first horse. Yeah, that's right, John. Well, um, you know, as when you're in the racing industry and you have children, they, um, you know, virtually they go to the stables and that's what, what they learn because you, you, you take them along and, um, mm. you know, it's pretty easy for them to get uh, get it in. It's in their blood and they get hooked and mm. she certainly... Um, uh, yeah, she certainly was keen at a, at a young age. This is all, all she wanted to do, and um, she loves the horses. And um, yeah, look, she got a surprise me um, a little bit. She wanted to get when she turned eighteen. She said, "I want to get a trainer's license." And uh, um, so away she went, and um, we bought her a little cheap cheap horse at the yearling sales. And um, 
Look, he wasn't. He was no certainly no. Uh, he was no superstar, but she got him to win a. Probably gave him about six starts, I think, and he won a maiden. And uh, mm. so she she trained to win her at the uh, trained to win her at the age of eighteen. So um, she was very very keen, and um, we actually sent her overseas last year for a um, bit more experience. And she worked um, went with uh, her partner Jake Tyrock, um, and she went to. Um, a stable at, um, I think he's at York or Newmarket or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Newmarket. Sure. Yeah, but, I can't. but um, yeah, with uh, Ralph Beckett. So um, she, had, mm-hmm. she had six months over there with him and, and gained some more experience before we sort of went into, uh, into the partnership. Yep. Well, she continues to ride track work for you at Morfordville, which must be a terrific help. Is she a good judge of a gallop, Richard? Yeah, look, she, she mainly learnt um, – uh, really, her riding experience was uh, helped by her UK trip because over there they were riding. Uh, she'd ride four horses, and over there, obviously, they, they work them different. They're on them for an hour a, a day, you know, hour each horse. So they're riding for four hours in the morning, and that really helped her. And I think really gave her a better perspective of of what a what a um, a good horse feels like to a bad one. Um, so yeah, certainly her riding's improved. And um, um, yeah, she certainly can uh, um, knows 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 the feel of them, which mm. certainly helps in, in this game. Does she ever come back uh, to the stable and say, uh, "Hey, Dad, this will be winning soon"? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just tell her to keep that to herself. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, certainly she she doesn't ride gallops um, as such. But um, um, yeah, it, it's just good to know. Um, you know, you get to know the horse a bit better. Yeah. Um, be able to ride ride it yourself and um, just get to know their little uh, their little tricks that they can um, you know um, have it up their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. You continued to ride work for years after you quit race riding. You're now forty seven years of age. You've got a few aches and pains from old injuries, and you've given the track work away. Yeah, I was pretty active until probably about. Um, probably about 18 months or two years ago. I used to still ride work every day and I used to have, I've got a bit of a back complaint that just used to flare up and mm. um, I was actually riding a, a horse down the beach um, uh, in February this year and uh, and uh, it was the first time it was down there and uh, uh, we're in the water about a foot, foot deep in water and a wave crashed over his knees and he actually fell over with me in the water and... Uh, mm. In, in getting up, he um, stood on my hand and uh, two of my fingers um, smashed, smashed two of my fingers. So, mm. um, so I've been, I've been with a um, uh, now I've got a bit of a hand injury, so I can't clench my fist that well. Um, so it mm. makes it a bit hard to hold the rein. So I sort of like I've given up on the, uh, yeah, on the track work um, mm. just through, uh, through too many um, complaints. Yeah. Well, the. Parlous state of prize money levels in South Australia has motivated a few of your training mates to pull up stakes and move to other states. Now, Rich, everybody's blaming the South Australian government, but you tell me it's not entirely their fault. They haven't got much to splash around. No, well, certainly, um, you know, I don't believe it's completely government... um uh, where where we're sitting at the moment, um, obviously, we do have a lack of, of support, and we always have from the government. But um, you know, we're certainly not um, the government's not as catch 
cash uh, strapped as um, you know, other states in, in New South Wales and Victoria and um, certainly they've got to divide it up um, uh, between other policies they've got under under them and um, certainly we've had an injection of um, funds recently um, which which is a big help and a start but we certainly need to, to keep this going get more more funding but um, you know I believe it's a number of things um, um, that um, uh, where we sit obviously our populations um, a lot smaller than the other states as well and that makes a difference on uh, on um, you know we, we don't generate the same turnover and you know it's just a number of things that probably where we sit at the moment that um, have contributed to that that little bit of help you got recently uh, was to the tune of almost $6 million, uh, which goes uh, from September the 1st. Not enough, obviously, but hopefully the forerunner of more to come in the future. It's a good sign, good starting point. Yeah, exactly. You know, everyone's welcomed. Um, the, the prize money actually uh, goes up up today and um, from from the 1st of this month. So certainly, yeah, as you said, it, it's a certainly a big help. Um but we can't rest on our laurels. We need to, um, you know, keep um, finding a way that we can keep improving. Mm. You grew up on your father's adjustment farm at a lovely little spot called Hope Forest near Wollonga in the McLaren Vale wine-growing region of South Australia, and you were riding Shetland ponies at picnic meetings and then uh, thoroughbreds at picnic meetings right up until about age 14, when your dad finally decided to give it a go as a trainer. He moved to town, you became indentured to him, but at first the stewards thought that was a waste of time. You looked as though you were going to get pretty big pretty early. Yeah, well, um, as you said, I, I grew up, Dad had an adjustment property um, where he used to adjust most of the, the Morphville, the city, city-based trainers' horses when they had a spell. Um, so we grew up on the farm and um, I always started riding at a Shetland pony at an early age and um, they used to have Shetland pony races uh, at the picnics about, which were run probably about four times a year. And uh, so at the age of five, I was riding at Shetland called Pebbles and uh, mm. uh, she was pretty quick too. So at the age of five, I was uh, hanging on her at these 100-metre races at the picnics and and that's what started me off. And um, as I got older, I... Obviously, uh, I outgrew her and um, uh, progressed to the to the thoroughbreds. And uh, from there, um, yeah, got my licence. With Dad sent it to town, bought some stables off an old trainer called Alan Smith. Um, and, uh, yeah, Dad wanted to go full-time into training because I think mainly because he could see where myself and David were heading, that, um, you know, we really loved it and wanted to, to get uh, further involved in the industry. And... Uh, the age of 14, I, I shifted to town. I rode in two lots of barrier trials. Uh, I think I rode in eight barrier trials, and the stewards gave him a licence. But at, at first, I, um, coming fresh out of school, I think I weighed, uh, I think I was about 53 when I first saw Bruce Fullerton, was the chief steward then. And um, he said, Oh, you need to lose a bit and come back, son. And uh, I think a month later, I'd, I'd lost about three or four kilos. and. Mm. Um, and weighed in, and they gave me my, my uh, tick of approval to do my trials. Um, mm. So I got my licence basically in two sets of trials um, at the age of 14, mm. and 
Oh, the stewards apparently were having a few side bets. They said, oh, this kid won't last too long. You know, we'll give him six months and um, uh, he, he's, he's going to be gone. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I approved them uh, proved them wrong. and, and uh, Lasted 14 years. 14 years. So, um, yeah. yeah, certainly uh, I um, proved a few of the stewards wrong anyway. Hey, Richard, you surprised me when you said you got a licence to ride in races after only eight barrier trial rides. That couldn't happen today, certainly not in New South Wales where kids have to have a minimum of 20 trials and each trial has to be judged on its merits. If the kid doesn't perform in a particular trial, that one is cancelled and he's got to do it again. Kids can have up to 30 or 40 trial rides before the stewards are satisfied nowadays. Yeah, well, you know, times have changed and, and the thing is, a lot of a lot of the kids nowadays, you know, they mightn't have sat on a horse till they're 14. They come in, um, they leave school and they might be small and light and someone says to them, well, why don't you be a jockey? And uh, they come into a stable at, at that age, you know, where, where you know, different circumstances. I, I grew up riding, and as I said, I was riding in, in pony races at, at, at uh, five. Um, so... So you know, I went to the barrier trials. I'd, I'd probably ridden in the, you know, I'd probably ridden in a couple of hundred uh, picnic race meetings before I um, actually got my um, uh, went to my barrier trials. So mm. I suppose the, the stewards could see that I, I'd had adequate um, experience and, and, and knew what I was doing. Uh, but I think certainly, yeah. yeah, it's sort of it's not really the case nowadays. It's probably pretty rare that. Um, kids would be able to do that. Um, as we know, there's um, there's virtually no picnic races in this state anymore that you could um, that you could learn from um, yes. at, at a young age. Yep. Well, you had a wonderful apprenticeship. You outrode your claim in 18 months. You were champion apprentice in one season in the mid 1980s. You finished up riding 800 career winners, but your greatest thrill came very early when a trainer called John Hall put you on a grey mare called Saratov when you were only 16. Now, that mare won 10 races in all. You were on board in nine of those wins. Over the Christmas New Year period, 88-89, she won four straight, including the Group 2 CB Cox Stakes at Ascot and the Group 1 Perth Cup. You were probably just 17, were you, by Perth Cup time? Uh, I was I'm born on the 4th of January, so mm. I had my birthday um, about four days. I think it was about four days after mm. after the Perth Cup, so I was still 16 uh, when I rode her in that. And, um, yeah, look, I, the association with her started as um, Dad bought the stables off uh, Alan Smith, um, John Hall, who was a um, – uh, Bart Cummings was foreman here in Adelaide, and Bart had left, and um, John John took out a license himself, and he was renting um, boxes off Alan Smith. So Dad mm. um, bought the stables, and John continued to rent the boxes, and and as I came down and got my license, well, obviously, um, yeah, I got to got to know John and um, started riding track work for him, and then um, he was a very loyal loyal man, and at that stage. Um, um, yeah, I was riding winners for John, and um, you know he could have put um, anyone on on Saratov to go to Perth, um, but I'd sort of been riding her, and um, I was very lucky at that age that um, to put an apprentice on in those races it probably raised a few eyebrows mm. at the time. Um, 
But, um, you know, he took me over there and I, I rode it. We were there for three weeks in Perth and I was there. You know, she was a bit of a temperamental horse and mm. I rode her work every day. And, um, yeah, we won the – she started twice and, and won the, the Cox Stakes and won the Perth Cup. And, yeah. you know, thrill was a wonderful thrill at the time. Um, I, I probably, being so young, I didn't really know the enormity of a Group 1 race and, uh, mm. you know, it looked – Back, looking back in hindsight, I, I put, would have preferred to do it later in my career, um, but I certainly, yeah, uh, at the time, it was, it was yeah. terrific. Uh, but you know, just being a young kid, I probably you know, didn't realise. Uh, you know, I thought these group ones, well, they're not that hard. <laughs> they, <laughs> certainly, they, they certainly are. Well, that grey mare Saratov was involved in the most bittersweet experience of your racing life. You rode her in the Melbourne Cup of 1989, won by Terrific. She started at 100 to 1. She clipped heels in the back straight and down she went, bringing another runner over the top, ridden by a young bloke who was destined for better things. Who was that jockey? Uh, Lee Oliver. He was the man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was... um yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the highlight of my career. We we got to the Melbourne Cup, which was an you know, enormous enormous thrill. Um, just being there on that day, and um, I remember her form leading into the race wasn't yes, you know, she wasn't in career best form. She I think she ran about midfield the Mooney Valley Cup um, prior to that, and um, you know we were just hopeful she was qualified, and um, we jumped. Um, she, I remember her jumping a bit slow, and we were sort of back in the field. Uh, until the um, back straight, she was travelling quite well at the time. I think we got to about Chiquita Lodge, and she was a very big striding mare, and just got a little bit tight on um, on heels. They just eased up at one point, and mm. and bang, she's yeah, she clipped the heels of I think it was Grant Cookley's mount, whatever that was. I can't mm. remember. But, um, clipped heels and went down, and um, yeah, Damien was following me, and she uh, he went over the top and. Yeah, I think it was about at Ch- Chiquita Lodge, I think. So um, I mm. can say uh, I rode the Melbourne Cup and got halfway. <laughs> Your record in South Australian Provincial and Country Cups was outstanding. Balaclava Cup, Strathalban Cup, Gawler Cup several times, the Murray Bridge Cup and the Narracourt Cup was your piece de resistance. You won it four times. Yeah, that's right, John. I had a, had a bit of luck down there. I just, uh, you know, happened to be on the right horses, and uh, um, yeah, I think I won it about four years in a row. And uh, but um, yeah, all the other um, country cups, um, most of those, um, I won uh, on a couple of occasions. And um, there's always um, opportunities were always a little bit scarce. Um, being a, a heavier jockey and the weight minimum was low, it was it was very hard to get rides in some of the better races because if you weren't on the top couple of horses, um, virtually everything else else was out of your weight limit. So, um, you know, I've, I've certainly um, the the opportunities I, opportunities I got, um, I made the most of, and, and certainly um, you know made a success out of it. We'll just pause for a break on the podcast, Richard. Back with you in a moment. A catalogue of almost 200 horses will be offered for sale at the final Inglis auction of the year, the 2019 Ready to Race sale at Riverside Stables on Tuesday, October 22nd. 
all horses are two-year-olds, broken in and prepared by experienced horse people and presented for sale, literally ready to race. Each horse will undertake a breeze-up session, which is a gallop ending in a 200-metre sprint. Each breeze-up will be recorded, which will enable prospective buyers to get a gauge on a horse's action, size and potential ability. There'll be an additional breeze-up session this year at Eagle Farm in Brisbane on Monday, September the 23rd, and other sessions will be held at Cranbourne, September the 13th, Warwick Farm, September 20th, Taupo in New Zealand, September the 23rd, with a second session at Warwick Farm on Friday, October the 18th. The strength and quality of the English ready-to-race sale catalogue is unparalleled in Australasia. Well, you were only 28 when you knew your riding days were over and it was uh, an absolute lay-down misere that you were going to become a trainer. And you got away to a flying start as a trainer with a Group 1 win about a year after you started. You won the derby with a horse called Kusha Darcy. You bought him at the English Premier Sale in Melbourne for $100,000 and uh, a group of friends came along to take up the ownership. Yeah, that's right, John. He, um, uh, yeah, he was, he was a lovely horse. I actually bought him, uh, bought him at the sales without an owner. You know, I just really liked the horse and thought, um, you know, it's about time to have a bit of a crack and, you know, spend a bit, bit more money. And, uh, uh I, I bought him and then, um, uh, syndicated him, um, between, um, some owners, um, uh, Neville Morgan, um, John Lafine and, and Roger Ackland, who um, who I'd known, known for quite a while, all three guys, and um, and they they bought him between them, and um, yeah, he he started off. He'd always shown nice ability. Um, he's by Swazir, who's obviously a sprinter, but uh, he um, this horse always um, he had a bit of um, pedigree on the dam side. I think he's out of a Carnegie mare, which um, yeah. that's where he got his um his staying ability from. And um, yeah, look, he started off. He, he had a pretty good record. Winning, uh, I think he just got beat his first start and then won his next four or something. And uh, and yeah, we went down the, the Derby track and um, certainly uh, he was unlucky in a couple of the lead ups. And we went into the Derby, you know, knowing we had a good chance. And my good mate Steve Yarnell um, was riding him. Actually, Paul Gatt was um, riding him early doors and Paul had a fall and um, broke his leg and was out. And um, that's how we ended up with. Um, we got Steve over to ride him. I thought he'd, he'd suit the horse, and uh, and the rest was history. He, um, he ended up winning the Derby by by nose, actually, and uh, um, yeah, certainly that was a that was a really big thrill. I think a different different thrill than riding a horse. You you sort of like seem to mm. you, you probably put a lot more time and effort into him as a trainer, and it was very uh, very satisfying. Because mm. Darcy raced only nine more times after that. He won one at Morfordville. He retired after being unplaced in the Adelaide Cup. He won a total of 543,000, Richard, in 19 starts. And then you lost him. He went amiss. Yeah, unfortunately, John, the, um, after Derby, he, he spelled and came back and um, he had two runs and actually did a boat a tendon. Um, so that put him off the scene for 12 months and we... We got him back, and he, he won the Rain Lover Plate, but he was just—he was never the same horse. Um, just coming back from that tendon injury, and 
Um, he he spelled again. Um, I think after the Adelaide Cup, and we got him back, and he yeah, unfortunately got a leg um, infection, um, which led to um, uh, laminitis, and uh, yeah, unfortunately we had to um, make the call and, and have him um, uh, put down through through the laminitis. So that was oh, you know, yeah. that was a shame, and um, yeah, it was just unfortunate we could never get him back to to his peak form, um, but. Um, as you know, John, that's that's horses and that's that's racing. One of his owners you mentioned, Neville Morgan, is still with you. Neville lives in Queensland, but he still races an odd horse with you in Adelaide. He had a couple of handy ones in Sydney that most of our listeners will remember, Kermadec and Rangi Rangdu, who both won two group ones. Yeah, look, I, I um, actually came across Neville... Um, uh, through an association with uh, Robert Smurden. Um, he sent me a horse and never was a part owner of it. And uh, He sent a horse over here called Satin Spin, who um, I think we won about five straight with him um, coming from Melbourne. And um, through that, um, Neville owned a quarter share in him, and that's how I, I got to know um, uh, Neville. And um, ever since that, that horse, um, we've had an association, and, and he's basically a, bought a yearling. Um, probably every year, I'd say, from that mm. that point on, and um, and uh, luckily enough, we've we've had a really good partnership, really good success. Um, mm. uh, so it's all, all started from there. Caracatus was a nice horse for you, Richard. He won eleven with fifteen placings, about six hundred and forty-seven thousand all up. He won a Group Three, the Mackay. He won three listed races, including the Christmas Stakes at Caulfield and he ran in three Goodwoods, and I can recall his running a very good race one year in an Oakley plate. He, was, he wasn't he was placed, but he wasn't far away either. Yeah, look, he was another horse we purchased through um, Sydney Easter sales, and, and, yeah, he was an old marvel. He raced till he was nine. Um, he's got a, um, a lovely life now as a retired racehorse um, uh, showing, and, uh, yeah, he was a terrific horse to us. He... he he um, started off um, you know, going through his grades and, and got to that listed level and he raced in that listed level for probably four or five years and uh, we had um, yeah, some terrific fun with him. Uh, he raced yeah, uh, frequently, went to Melbourne and always competed well in the, in the big races um, and, um, yeah, I wish we could uh, – a few more of him in the stable um, would be much appreciated. You speak with great affection – of Sterling Grove, one of the nicest horses you've ever put a bridle on. He only had 24 starts, seven wins, nine placings, well over half a million in stakes. He won three two-year-old races, including a Group 3. He won three-year-old races at Flemington and Caulfield, and one of those Flemington wins gave you an enormous thrill because it happened to be on Melbourne Cup Day. What a kick. Yeah, that's right, John. He was a he was another uh, lovely horse. He, um, uh, as you said, he won a stakes race as a two year old, um, and he, you know, competed in a, a lot of um, uh, good sprint races. He actually he ran third to uh, Black Caviar twice, which was um, uh, really great to be a part of of uh, her story and, and competing against her. Although we couldn't uh, we couldn't beat her, it was certainly just to to be a part and be in those races. Um, was a terrific thrill. I think we had 
there was about 25,000 people at Wharfville the day she won the Goodwood and, uh, um, you know, you've never seen scenes like that um, since I've been I've been around and uh, and he ran third to her that day in the Goodwood and um, as a three-year-old he went to um, he went to Flemington and raced, I think it was about two races before the, the Melbourne Cup and mm. uh, he won the three-year-old race down the straight there and uh, yeah, that was a terrific thrill to, to um, you know, be on, on, on Cup Day with that big crowd and um, um, you can't pay for that kind of uh, publicity uh, to have a winner, winner, yeah. winner that day. And he was actually, um, as a three-year-old, he was he was a Vobus Horse of the Year, which is mm. well unheard of of South Australian horse being a Vobus Horse of the Year um, in another state. Uh, so yeah, look, he was he was a really good horse to us. He had a very sad demise, Richard. Not long after you ran third behind Buffering in the Scalacci. He suffered a burst aorta at home there in Adelaide and he literally died before your eyes. Yeah, look, unfortunately, it was, it was Caulfield Cup Day and he ran, um, he ran the week before, in the, as you said, in the Scalacci and, and uh, ran a terrific race behind buffering and, and we had him home and um, he was just working around quietly around the track and went home and... Um, was started to eat, eat, his, eat his tucker and then we just noticed he was acting oddly and, uh, mm. um, yeah, before we knew it, he did passed away and um, an autopsy revealed that, yeah, he's, um, he, he actually blew a valve um, to his heart and, and leaked, it leaked slowly and, uh, yeah, unfortunately that was, the, that was the end of him. So, yeah, we um, certainly... Um, uh, the better better ones are hard to keep, put it that way, John, but mm-hmm. that was a certain... That's the day for us. You know, horses previously trained by Darren Weir have gone to several different stables, and you were lucky enough to get one of them, a horse called Hard Empire, and you've done a very good job with him. You've had him for 13 runs, four wins, three placings. One of the wins was a Group 3, the Irwin Stakes. I know you're pretty happy with him. What are your plans? Um, look, John, he's, um, yeah, as you said, he came... Came to us as a benchmark seventy horse of, of Weary, and um, I had previous horses for the owners that um, uh, they sent him to Adelaide, thinking that um, we could probably win a couple of couple of uh, benchmark races, and uh, he's done his job. And um, look, he just got over here and loved it, and, and he, he sort of grew a leg, and we ended up, um, uh, yeah, he, he went from a benchmark horse to nearly a hundred raider and ran fourth in a Goodwood and won a. And Irwin Stakes, and uh, um, he's actually currently having a spell, um, and we're looking at taking him up for the um, for the Magic Millions, uh, probably the twelve hundred meter sprint race in, in January. So he's a really good first up kind of horse. So mm. we'll probably target that race with him. Uh, probably take him up there without a run, running first up in that. He seems to go best then. Mm. Um, so yeah, hopefully um, it's a, um, it's a good story. That horse is you know. He's just improved with age and, and hopefully there's more to come. And what of Skildora, a lightly raced four-year-old mare who ran a good race, I thought, on Saturday from a wide gate. She's been very sparingly raced. She's been to Melbourne twice, ran fourth both times in Group 3 races. So she's better than average. Yeah, John, she's um, uh, we've had a few feet troubles with her, but she certainly she got to Melbourne and was far from disgraced in a, in a couple of good races and 
uh, we had to uh, had some feed issues with her, and she sort of had an extended time out trying to get them right. Um, she's come back and yeah, she's had two runs. Um, she ran third yesterday. Uh, probably leading wasn't ideal for her, um, mm. but um, certainly uh, we're just hoping you know we can get her back to her best form and and head back to Melbourne sort later later in the spring. Uh, but yeah, at this stage, um, we certainly she's got the ability. We just got to um, iron out a few little little problems with her. Now, Kemal Parza is another one in the stable with more wins in store. His record's already pretty impressive, 18 starts, five wins, seven placings, and he's another one to carry Neville Morgan's well-known colours. Yeah, that's right. He's, um, he's a horse that's um, uh, getting better with age as well. He's uh, um, 12 months ago, I kept saying to Neville, this horse has got ability, but we just um, he wasn't taking it to the races, so... Um, I decided to, I, with Neville's permission, we carved him around the country a bit, and I took him to Mindry Hallett, uh, where he won a he won a maiden up there, and then I carved him all the way to Port Lincoln, which is a fair trip from Adelaide, as you've got to go right around the peninsula. And we took him there, and he, he was a horse that wouldn't wouldn't eat well and got nervy at the races, and and a couple of these trips to the country um, just turned him around. He all of a sudden started, um, it just seemed to toughen him up a bit, and. Uh, he started eating well and um, he raced on that prep and ended up winning two or three in town um, after mm. after starting off at the bush and um, uh, we ended up giving him a spell. I think he had about nine runs or something, that prep, and uh, he's come back and uh, he won his first two um, first two Metropolitan races this preparation and he's run another good third and, uh, yeah, we're looking at, you know, hopefully he can measure up and, and do an interstate trip um, later in the year. He's another one that also um, is a Magic Millions horse, so he's another one that we might, may target um, for the 1,400-metre uh, mm. race run up there in January. So, so yeah, he's another one to keep an eye on. He's a nice horse, progressive horse that keeps, keeps improving. You've earned a reputation as a tutor of apprentice jockeys. Uh, Jake Taroke, Chantel's partner, was indentured to you and is virtually your stable jockey nowadays. He was leading apprentice on one occasion. You've got three very capable kids at the moment in Kenny Lau, uh, Lockie Nindorf and Caitlin Jones, although Caitlin must be very close uh, to terminating her apprenticeship. Yeah, that's right, John. I've had always seem to have a bit of luck with um, the apprentices. Um, uh, I think riding myself um, probably just gives you a better understanding um, teaching the kids. And, uh, yeah, I've been lucky that... Uh, I had Libby Hopwood, uh, leading apprentice, and uh, uh, Jake, um, Caitlin Jones, um, and Caitlin, as you said, she's only got um, – she's just coming back off a uh, – she had a bit of a back, back flare-up injury, um, so she's back riding work, and uh, you'll see her back in the, in the saddle um, in the next couple of weeks, but she's only got a couple of months to go left in her apprenticeship. Um, so, you know, she'll become a senior then and <clears throat> she's a very capable rider. Um, she's been very good to, to, to us at the stable and um, and then we've got the young kids. Um, I'm probably forgetting, um, we also had um, uh, Matthew Poon mm. uh, was also uh, from Hong Kong and he's obviously, uh, he was leading apprentice and uh, he's a successful rider back now in, in, in Hong Kong and uh uh, Victor Wong's another kid that I had here. He he did a couple of years in Tassie, and then he came over here and 
he improved in leaps and bounds, and he's also he's also back riding in Hong Kong. And uh, we've, now we've got Kenny Kenny Lau. Um, he's um, he's been with us. I think it'll be twelve months this December. Oh, sorry, two years this December. Mm. And look, he's a lovely lovely young kid. His riding's getting better and better, and um, uh, you'll probably see him heading back to um, to Hong Kong probably next year. Mm. Uh, and um, and I've got the the fresh fresh one off the box is a young Lockie Neindorf, uh, who's just started riding. He's had about I think probably about fifty rides. He's ridden a couple of winners, and mm. and he. The kid that you'll see a, a lot more about, a lot more of, I should say, in the um, in the next few years. And I'm glad you mentioned my mate Libby Hopwood, who nowadays is doing a terrific job in her hosting roles with Sky Racing, and I see her from time to time uh, whenever I call into Sky. Well, Richard, yeah. you were born to be a racing man, and the great sport has been better for your participation. Congratulations on all you've done as a jockey. And as a trainer, you're only 47 years old, mate, so there's plenty of time for that elusive champion to walk into your Morfordville yard. Well, when you've got two-year-olds, John, there's always hope, and we've, we've got about 22-year-olds this year, so uh, that's the, uh, you know, the ultimate goal in life is to get a, a, you know, a Winx or a Black Caviar and to come through your your stalls. And, um, you know, as you said, we've... Um, Every stable with the two-year-olds got hope for that, and uh, we hope it's our turn uh, moving forward. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Richard. I've enjoyed it immensely. It was a pleasure, John. And the podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The stallion representation at the English Ready to Race sale on October the 22nd is a who's who of the breeding industry. Better than ready, Nakoni, Brazen Bow, not a single doubt, Deep Field, Rubik, Dundeal and Shooting to Win. And we've just scratched the surface. Add to that Hinchinbrook, So You Think, Holy Roman Emperor, Spirit of Boom, I Am Invincible, Starcraft, Medagliadoro, Tavistock, More Than Ready, Written Tycoon, No Nay Never and Zoostar. Inglis again team up with Racing New South Wales by presenting the sale three days after the Everest. The timing will ensure the attention of world buyers who'll be focused on Sydney at Everest time. October 22nd is the date for the Inglis ready to race sale at Riverside.